Welcome back to Roughneck Dispatch. Uh, I am Matt Phillips. My next novel comes out November 1st. It's called A Good Rush of Blood. I'm here with Joel Nadecki. We're going to discuss uh, Sam Weeb's PI novel in the Wakeland series. It's called Sunset and Jericho today. Uh, Joel, introduce yourself, please. Thanks, Matt. My name is Joel Nadecki, and I'm a crime writer from Winnipeg. My first novel, The Broken Detective, was shortlisted for a 2023 Arthur Ellis Award, and I'm very happy to be here again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming. Uh, thanks for joining. This is going to be great. Uh, this was a book that um, you suggested we read and discuss. Uh, so that's really great. And you're a, you're a PI guy, The Broken Detective, right? Is a PI novel. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah, very much so. Um, and you know what? With Sam Weeb, I think uh, he was probably one of one of the, uh, the earlier influences for me. Um, and being Canadian too, I think there was something there with that, just his novels being set mostly uh, in Vancouver. Um, fun fact too uh, about the Wakeland series is that in 2022, he actually optioned them for TV with a company called Cineflix Productions. Um, and whether they make it onto the screen or not, I guess we'll see, but um, definitely would be cool to see the character uh, come to TV. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll talk more about that. Um, I had read Invisible Dead, which I believe is the first in the series, the Wakeland series. This is the fourth book, I believe. Yeah. Um, and so it was great for me to, to revisit it. Um, let me just give a brief, I'm not going to give the whole synopsis of the book, but uh, let me just, you know, give, give some, some jacket copy so people, people know, but it's a PI novel. It's the fourth thrilling installment of the Wakeland detective series, exploring the depths of Vancouver's criminal underworld. The plot is pretty complex. Um, it starts with the mayor's brother is missing. A transit cop lies beaten and blinded, her service weapon stolen. A new series of graffiti tags are appearing linked to an underground group calling themselves the Death of Kings. And basically, class warfare has broken out on the streets of Vancouver, and P.I. Dave Wakeland finds himself on the front lines, but unsure which side he's on. Um, that's actually a pretty good synopsis. Basically, Death of Kings, uh, it, it is a class warfare novel. I want to talk a bit about that. But, um, you know, I guess my first impressions of the novel is that it's splendidly written. Um, it's in the tradition of Chandler, uh, Dashiell Hammett, um, yeah. all the other PI detective novels. Um, but man, it really expands it. What do you think of the novel? I, you know what, I read it once when it came out earlier in 2023. So this is the second time I read it. And, uh, I always like Wakeland. I feel like as a character, he is perfect for crime fiction in that he has a chip on his shoulder and he is stubborn. And in this particular book, I feel like even more than in the first three in the series where he, I think knows that he needs to change or at least evolve. Right. But the city around him is changing so much and he just doesn't want to, he just doesn't want to, he wants to keep doing what he's always done. And that's, you know, he works, he takes cases on that he feels passionately about, usually helping people who don't have a lot, people who are down and out or struggling. And his business partner, Jeff Chen, kind of lets yeah. him do that. 
Um, right. Well, because, well, with, yeah, uh, with sort of a lot, sort yeah. of lots of, but he keeps reminding him, Hey, we're, we don't have any money coming in and we have got exactly. No yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And in the past too, like, uh, Dave, he had a couple big cases that really brought in some headlines. And I think right in that way, he, he was able to do some lesser cases, but now you're right. The, uh, the agency's struggling too, and they've gotten some, they're on tough times too. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a combination of all those those factors that that make it a good book, right? For sure. And I mean, you know, couple that with great writing, of course. But yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I want. I think we wanted to start and talk about character. I mean, we could start with Wakeland. I think that you you kind of hit it on the head, right? He's sort of more self aware in this novel. And again, I've yeah. never read the first one, but I, I agree with you that that was really evident to me. Um, and he's an interesting PI in that. You know, the business part of it is definitely a thing where he's got this other partner. They have a security consulting firm, right? It's sort of yeah. like, you know, um, the Pinkertons or something, but on a smaller scale. And they have some corporate business, but Wakeland sort of just goes rogue and he's he's doing what's right. Like he gets kind of a bug in his ear about a case and he just can't let it go. So he's got that sort of rabid um, bull bullfighter sort of person inside of him. But um I think what I wanted to say about him is that he doesn't carry a gun, right? Initially, and he doesn't in general. And so it's very specific that he's not a he's not a gun-toting PI, right? He's actually yeah. um, against carrying guns. He feels like it gets people in trouble, which it does. Um and yeah. he has examples of that, but so I love that part of it. But here in this one also, he's got this love interest that he had that's moved away to take a, to take a, um, a, yeah. a police job, a law enforcement job in, in Quebec, I believe. And so he's kind of stuck in Vancouver, which is his home. And Vancouver is this, what, this is what sets the stage for the novel is it's changing rapidly. And, yeah. you know, uh, apartment buildings on top of apartment buildings on top of condos on top of, you know, and, and just the urban, uh, you or, or whatever you call it is just changing. Um, and that's really unsettling for him. Right. Am I, am I getting that right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think, um, like as far as his relationship goes with, with Sonia, who, who is more in book three than, than this one, but she's also a police officer and Dave, Dave was a cop. Like he, he did a few years, I think a couple of years on the police force and he just couldn't exist within the infrastructure of that type of an organization. Sure. So that's part of initially what sort of made him go off on his own. Like a lot of the, I think classic PIs that you referenced earlier with the Chandlers and, and, oh, yeah. and whatnot. Um, but I think for me, like what I like about it is that he's tough. Like he, he's not afraid, but he, the novels are realistic and he doesn't necessarily want to solve his problems with violence. No, but he, he will, if it comes to that. And I think that's different than some of the books that you can read nowadays. Um, especially some of the really, um, I think more popular ones where more commercial novels, more commercial novels where these ones, this is, this is realistic. Like a lot of the way he, he functions, it's, it's a realistic setup. He's got a job. He goes kind of nine to five. He does extra work of course, but he's a real person. And that's, I think what drew me to the character is I just, I feel like he's, he's just so authentic. Yeah. And you know, 
we'll have to talk a little bit about the plot because that's how we'll get into the class warfare aspect. But what I love about Wakeland and the way Weeb writes him is, you know, he's such a person, a real person. I mean, yeah. you know, he talks about music he's listening to. He goes home and he, you know, listens to, to records, really specific records. Um, yeah. You know, talks about characters listening to, 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 to music or watching films or reading books like real people do. Um, and, you know, I love that aspect. And, you know, as a character in this book, like in a lot of PI novels, in the tradition of PI novels, you know, Wakelin endures a significant beating, but this one is actually debilitating to the point where he's, he's under the in the hospital for what seemed like weeks to me in the book. Um, yeah. and so, you know, as tough as he is, he's not that tough. Right. I mean, because it's like real violence yeah. when you're really mugged, you're actually injured. It's not like, Oh, I'm going to get up and go on to the next chapter. And, and so I love yeah. that. Did you feel the same way? Oh, hundred percent. And I've, I've read a lot of interviews with, with Sam too. And, uh, like he knows boxing in and out. He's read okay many different books on boxing. He's written about it in other short stories and articles and things like that. But there's a line that you just made me think of. I wrote it down. Um, there's no forgetting with matters of violence is, is from the book. And I feel like that's, that's sort of the that. philosophy, the philosophy of both Dave, but also I think of the author is that, if you're going to get into a fight, like a real fight, you're hurt. It's not, and it's sloppy too. You know, you can be technical, but in a street fight like that, it's, it's sloppy and you get hurt. And I think with the, the city changing, I feel like he's caught in this situation. His girlfriend's left. The city's changing. He reads a billboard at the beginning or partway through the novel that says, get into your own condo for less than a million dollars or some <laughs> kind of advertisement like that. Right. And he just, yeah. he can't believe this is the city he grew up in where, um, basically $999,000 right, right under a million bucks and he, he could get into a condo, but that's a huge amount of money for the average person. And it's, um, it's got him down and he feels, I think, worn out. Yeah. And he, so the other part of it is at the same time that he's sort of fostering the failure of his own business because he's investigating this case, which let me get back to that in a second, but he, his mom, he goes to visit his mom and she's got a house in Vancouver and he's seen yeah. all these bills and he's going, wait, you haven't paid your mortgage. And you know, she doesn't want to leave and there's all this stuff happening with taxes and, and bills. And he, there's a line where he goes, you know, her for a millionaire, her money is mismanaged. Like, you know, wo just woefully yeah. mismanaged. That's not the exact line, but I thought that was hilarious yeah. because she's got this home in the middle of Vancouver and she could see, he's kept telling her, sell it for a million bucks. Yeah. move somewhere and so that that is yeah. really the backdrop of the film of of the book because yeah it sets up the motivation for the initial plot point which well initially we we come and the mayor's son uh, the mayor's brother is missing so that's part of it but they jeff and and wakeland kind of leave and they're like well there's nothing going on the guy just disappeared he's out partying or something because he's a wealthy guy go back to his office and he's got a client and it's a transit cop who was mugged or attacked and her weapon was taken. And so she's like, you know, it's being investigated, but I think you're the only one who can find a gun because I know that people will talk to you. She wants her gun back. And that sets him on this journey, this quest. Um, and he encounters the, the 
a group called Woden's Bastards, which is that right? Yeah, that's the, that's the right name, which is like a loose affiliation sort of biker gang ish people. But that leads them to like even a subgroup within that who are essentially, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're radicals. They're essentially radicals and they want to bring down the rich. Right. Um, and I don't yeah. want to give too much away, but that's what sets it off is him chasing this gun. And that leads him down to, you know, he's going to pawn shops. He's going asking around about this gun and that's how it sort of gets to that. Is that, is that right? I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and no, that's exactly right. And it's the two, the two separate investigations that converge with, like you said, the motivation of these groups where a lot of these people have existed in, in Vancouver, they were born there, their, their parents were born there, their, you know, their families are from there. And it's this idea that they can no longer afford it. And I feel like, um, throughout the novel it's it's kind of about what do you do when you have this beautiful city and you can and nobody can afford to live there so some people work through it some people i'm sure are so so busy and tired and just living their lives that they don't think about it and some people have decided to um i don't want to say fight back because that's not exactly accurate but they've decided to to do something, I guess. And that's where the Woden's bastards come in. That's where that death of Kings group comes in. And that's where they start to, um, I, I think seek retribution uh, of some, of some sort with regards to, uh, to taking their city back. So of course, Dave's caught in the middle of this and, um, you know, that's, that's where the, I think the, uh, the plot really takes off. Yeah, I think it Weeb really handles all of this so well, right? So he's got this character who because he's born and bred in Vancouver, he's yeah. up he's as upset about this and it's impacting him as much as the next person, as much as these radical people and so if not more. And so there's this thing where he, you know, there's a part of him that really agrees with yeah. it. Um of course, he doesn't agree with the actions they take, which is essentially no. kidnapping rich people and holding ransom, um, holding them for ransom, which they don't take the ransom money. They want it to go to like, you know, um, uh, shelters, yeah, causes, things like that, which is just a really brilliant premise. Right. Because I think we've all had that. I mean, here in San Diego where I live, it's like, man, we could, we could give money to these causes to help with situations like this. Um, and, they don't have enough money. And so it's sort of like, let's source money from the rich. And the way we're going to do that is hold them for ransom. Yeah. So it's really brilliant. And the other thing that's interesting is, you know, I think PI novels are always often, not always, but often they're about private property and the class divide that erupts from the existence of private property as like a concept and sort of the wealth generated by pro- from property owning property ownership. And so I think that's pretty common. Um, and so the way he does deals with it is very contemporary. I mean, this idea that you can get in a condo for under a million dollars. I mean, that's happening in my city. And so I get it. You have people who are, gosh, I mean, we've known physicians who can't buy a home. Right. Um, and so like they're married doctors, you know, or whatever, because, um, the way the prices are just, 
ballooning out of control and what that does to someone. I think that whole thing that's happening in the novel is carried throughout. It's not just a mentioned thing. It's a driver of everything. And so I thought that was really fascinating and he did that so well. Yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, I, I enjoyed it the second time around almost more because something like that the first time through, I mean, you, you read it, you pick up on it, but the second time through, I really felt like it resonated with me more where I, I, I felt how just, I think angry Dave is in this book, but at the same time, he, he doesn't want to leave the city. He wants to help people. He wants to be a part of the community. He wants to, you know, do all these good things for people. And he almost identifies more with, like you said, with the people he's trying to um, catch or, or find than he does the mayor who he's working for, yep. you know, he almost like, like they're the people who he's trying to find are, are working, uh, you know, blue collar, regular people almost, but they're kind of from that class where the people he's hired by, even though they're paying his business quite a bit of money, um, he feels like they're elite and he does, he does not get along well when he feels like people are looking down on him when they try to control him, when they try to buy him off, he, yep. that's not something he will accept. Right. And that's, that's interesting to watch a character struggle like that, you know, um, to see what he's going to do and how he's going to figure it out. And if he's going to, if he's going to, uh, side with the, you know, the kidnappers or if he's going to uphold his end of the contracts for the mayor. Right. I think what you're illustrating is like the chief conflict is within, within himself. I mean, that's kind of the major conflict of the novel and the city itself yeah against itself, right? Like that's part of it too, because the citizenry and how they're interacting with their environment. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. I think, you know, uh, the, the novel is also interesting because what I liked about it was you see these radicals and it comes near the end of the book. So I, again, I don't want to give stuff away, but you know, we've all had that friend who's a radical and like, and you hear him talk at a party and it sounds, it sounds good. It's like, okay, I get what you're saying. Yeah. You know, disparity, wealth, you know, concentration, all that stuff. But then there's, there's just like this point where they kind of go off the rails and you're like, but wait a minute, where'd we go here? And I think he really does that well because these are young people and he sort of is able to toe the line between like their ideals are correct or their ideals are honorable. However, the way that they're cognitively like assessing it and making plans based on that is so flawed. Um, and I've never seen anybody do that so well in this type of novel. Right. And then the other part is like his analysis of, of the rich people and how they behave. And so I think those two things in tandem make it a really like socially conscious, meaningful novel. I, I think so too. I think, um, the way he, he brings into the story, like you said, like the the judgment of both these groups, but he's not judging them so much that he's not self-aware. Like he knows where he stands in this and he's critical of himself as well. Um, but it's just it's just portrayed in such a such a real way. 
And when you were saying that there about the, the radicals and people being young and, and, you know, listening to somebody talk at a party, it made me think of the character who is in the book, but really isn't in the, ah. well, I won't say too much about it, yeah. but there's with the Jericho center, it's this, it's like a wellness facility, doctor, like a guru. Type it's like guy. a wellness doctor, a guru in Vancouver who for a while has, has celebrities and these famous people. Right who go there for a month to kind of, you know, uh, dry out or to get their life in order to get well and pay a ton of money for it. And it becomes almost like a, um, sort of like a cult in a way where, Mm -hmm. yeah, the people buy in so much that it's then leveraged against them. Right. And people are young and they're, and they're, and they're energetic and they have ideas and they're, they care so much that I think this Matthias Van Veen um, manipulates them. He does. And yeah. And yeah. And he yeah. does, I think through, cause young people like that, you know, when you're young and you're sort of malleable, you do want to be challenged to take action. Yeah. And so he does that with them, but it's to his, to his own ends. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. And there's so many examples you hear in real life about a similar situation where somebody has been, um, convinced to do something or, or, um, led astray in, in, an, in an environment where it's, it's, um, it, it's an older figure, a mentor of some sure. kind who instills confidence, puts faith in you, cares about you, maybe loves you in a way. And all of a sudden the ramifications of that, you know, are to commit some kind of crimes or to do something that you never would do, but at the moment, in the moment, at the time, it feels, it feels right, you know? And I think that group, one of the groups in the book is, is like that, where it's all these young people who, who care and they want to do something and they have this leader who's given them direction and they, they follow. Right. Um, there what at least at first they do, they do. <laughs> yeah. This, I don't know if you remember this, I'm not sure if it was big news in Canada, but here in the U S we had a, a very similar, and I wonder if Weeb knows about this and, and was channeling it because we had a similar thing happen at Sarah Lawrence College, where uh, one of the one of the kids' parents, a dad, started living with in the dorms, wow. and he essentially did exactly what you just described, right? And he ends up forming a cult of these kids, and it goes yeah. on for years. Uh, it's a big thing. I, I, I think there's a Netflix uh, documentary about it, which I can't remember the title of. Sorry, filmmakers, but just Google, you know, Sarah Lawrence Colt Netflix, and it'll come up. It's pretty good, um, and they have unparalleled access. But uh, I think, yeah, you see these young people being really manipulated by this person, and what the result of that is. And then you also, I think, Weave does a good job showing like there's not an instance in the book and here's what I think you hit on it earlier. I hate when in books, there's no consequences. It's like you get punched in the face and then like the next chapter, you're just fine. Like you drink some whiskey and like, you're good. I mean, no, that's not the way it works. You get punched in the face. Like it hurts for like three weeks and you know what I mean? You gotta go get an x-ray. And so I think weave does a good job of every, every action someone takes, there's not only a reaction, but there's repercussions. And with these young people that happens with the rich people, it definitely happens. And so, yeah, he's fantastic about that. One thing I did want to mention earlier, you're talking about the plot. So the plot is super complex. I don't know. So I've written a few mysteries you have as well. You know, there comes a time when you forget what the heck you're doing. 
and you're like, I need to read this whole book yeah. again. And so, I mean, Sam has twists and turns that it, it, and then they kind of wind in on themselves and unwind again. And then there's characters mm-hmm. who end up being meaningful, who you previously thought kind of weren't. Um, and yeah. I, so I don't know how he kept track of things. However, I, I listened to this book on tape, uh, or the audio book. It wasn't a tape, but digital, uh, on a long drive to Tucson and back. And I thought to myself, Whoa, I need the book because I needed to, to go back and reference things like, okay, wait a minute, what happened here? Which, which, uh, person. And I think that's a real sign of a great crime novel, which or a mystery novel, which to me has always been a huge knot, right? It's just a huge knot that keeps kind of nodding itself, nodding itself until it's like as big as your fist. And you just got this book and it's a huge knot in front of you. And then there's one tendril of a thread and then they start to pull that thread and the whole knot sort of slowly unravels by pulling that one thread. And I think Weeb is masterful at that. It is such a knot by the end. Um, and the way he unravels it is just beautiful. Yeah, it, it really is. And, um, Another character we haven't touched on or another, I guess, subplot is that one of the um, one of the individuals who who has been looking for the missing gun of the transit cop at the beginning, a young man who's married, who has been asking at the pawn shops and such. And and Dave gets to, I guess, know this guy's, this character's wife because they've separated and he's looking for this guy and stuff like that. But that subplot in the book, even though it is just a, you know, a secondary part of the story is handled with such care where you seem to feel that the characters that they care about each other, but at the same time are almost unwilling to help each other. And I'm, I'm trying to pick my words here without giving away, you know, some important information, but, um, even when they, they get involved, you know, Dave will, will continue to ask her questions and he wants to know about the case. He wants to know about the case. And it just speaks to how motivated he is, how like a, dog on a bone he is with regards to this case like he's just not going to let up um and it's just another part of that knot where it's just like you're just like you're getting bits and pieces of information and then eventually it it all makes sense i I think too that that situation is really interesting because i mean it's a love story within the story within another love story right and so that's kind of interesting and then, yeah. you know, he has a line, a couple explanations when, cause, cause she doesn't want him to keep asking. And he just says, it's sort of a reflective piece where he just talks about, you know, it's not about solving the case. It's not even about finding out what happened. It's just yeah. the looking. And that I thought was really interesting because it gives you his like, raison d'etre, you know, like that's his reason for being is to look and the looking is honorable and the looking matters because someone's looking. And so, you know, I love that as well. So we're kind of running up on our time. Like we don't want to go too, too much over 30 minutes, but, uh, without giving away too much, but, um, so the settings, Vancouver, I think Weeb does an incredible job with that. Um, I, I want to ask you how you feel about his writing, just craftsmanship, what are your thoughts around it? 
Um, I, I, I love his style. I think that he's got, um, like an effortless writing style that is, I would consider it almost a literary crime fiction. Oh, 100% in, in the way he writes. Yeah. So, and I, and I mean, I, I, I hesitated there to use the word literary because I think sometimes, you know, you, you throw that word in and there's all kinds of baggage that comes with it or people love it. You know, there's both sides, but I, I think it is just a great book, you know, whether it's a crime fiction story or a detective novel or PI or whatever, it's just great writing. Um, he weaves together, you know, a, a blend of, of shorter sentences with sometimes really beautiful passages where he'll talk about one of his favorite spots in Vancouver. And I think he says one time how he needs to start keeping a list because they're disappearing. So woven in with the, with the writing is these little observations sure. that he makes about the city yep. and whatnot. So I'm a big fan. I, I, yeah, I, love I think style. I, one thing I wanted to mention, I made a note of was like his, his way of describing architecture and when I say architecture, I mean like dumpy buildings, like, or like the yeah. urban setting. Uh, it's, it, I mean, he's, he's brilliant. I mean, he makes a dumpy apartment building on a side street seem like, you know, the Sistine Chapel or something like how, and, and he's not, he's describing it for a reason because it has to do with what's going to happen. But I think it's yeah. just really, you know, a staircase doesn't, a staircase isn't there. It grips the side of a building or it clings or, you know, things like yeah. that. That's not a great example, but, um, so I love that piece as far as like, I mean, people called Chandler a prose stylist, right? Which I would agree with. I mean, I think Weeb's right up there with yeah. him. I, there's another great detective novel that came out like maybe 15 years ago. It's a Michael Shabon's novel, the Yiddish policeman's union. I don't know if you've read it. It's a great novel. It's a reimagined no, history. Um, follows a Jewish detective, but I, I think that this book is right up there with the pro style of that one. And Shabon is like, you know, he's one of the Pulitzer. So I think like yeah. it, it's, it's, it is quite impressive. Um, and you know, I never, all the plot twists, all the changes, all the going back on itself. I never thought that's unrealistic. It was all realistic. No. Um, so yeah, just a beautiful, beautiful book. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Everything, everything you said, I, uh, I feel the same. I, um, I've, I've read his stuff for a while. He, his first book, uh, last of the independence, which he was nominated for, he actually won the award that, uh, my first one was nominated for. And then he, he started this series Wakeland right after that. So he went away from that original character and started Wakeland. But as soon as invisible dead came out, um, I don't know. There was just something about it. Like, I think everything we've discussed, it's just kind of all it's in the first book, the second book, the third book, different. The books are different and they feel different too, but there's just, he has this way of making very precise observations about the human condition, about setting, about people that just translate and then combine that with good plot. And you have, I think a great story, you know, a great yeah. book. I mean, it's one, uh, I, like I said, I listened to it on audiobook and, and I'm like, I need to order the paperback cause I want it on my shelf, you know? So I, yeah. I needed to be there alongside the others. So yeah, just really good writer. I mean, you know, I look, I looked on Amazon just to see how many reviews he had. And I mean, I'm just flabbergasted that he doesn't have thousands right now and he should. 
Um, so yeah. hopefully this, this podcast will help. One of the things we do at the end of these is kind of give our, our one reason, our, you know, th- thing about yeah. why you should read this book or watch this film or whatever. Um, I'll go first. I'm just going to say really succinctly what I said earlier. If you are looking for the successor to Raymond Chandler, but maybe even better, this is the guy read his books. Yeah. Um, and you can start with any book, but, but the Wakeland series, one of those books is great. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I totally agree with that as well. My reason is going to be that of the four books, I think this is the best mystery. And I think in combination with that, I'm going to say that it has a great ending as well. And that's my little kind of, you know, hook at the end of our program here, I guess, uh, because the ending is great. I mean, his books all end well, but this one is a, is a notch. Yeah. I think that not to trample on your, on your championing here, but if you want to be surprised by a book, I guarantee you, I would bet a few paychecks that this one will surprise you. Um, so, so I, I think that's yeah. a really great reason to read this book is if you want to be surprised by a detective novel yeah. and, uh, this one will do it for yeah. you. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Joel, thanks for coming on roughneck dispatch again. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do next time, but, uh, it's going to be something good. Hopefully a good book, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I enjoyed it again. We'll, uh, we'll talk, we'll figure something out. We'll do it, do it for sure. All right. Yeah, sounds man. great. Okay.